You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How are y'all? Well, if you have your Bibles, open those up this morning to Luke chapter 21. And just to echo what Pastor April was just saying, I really do want to encourage you to try to be a part of that encounter service on July the 15th. Um, We need to pray for our country right now. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on, and it kind of everything that is happening in the world kind of uh, is the genesis of this series that I'm going to start today. Um, And so I think I think it's just really imperative that we, as the body of Christ, are on our knees and on our faces before God and asking Him to move in our country, because the times that we're living in are really exceptional. And so uh, today we are starting a new series. The title of this series is going to be Trigger Warning. And uh, as we kind of start this, I do want to kind of give a preamble and a warning before we start this. During this series, we are going to talk about the hot button topics that are going on in our country right now. Um, And as you kind of uh, dive into those with me, uh, this is the commitment that I'm going to make to you. The, The whole point of doing this is not to offend anybody. It's not to just stir you up emotionally, but it really is to answer this one question. And I want to have this question before us as we deal with some of the topics that we're going to be dealing with over the next couple of weeks is how should we as disciples of Jesus Christ navigate the landmines that are sitting in our culture right now and find where Jesus is? If you look at what's going on around, there's just fires that are raging, literally fires that are raging right within the last several weeks, but even metaphorically, there are just these fires that are raging in our country right now, uh, the fires of racism, there's political things that are going on, you talk about the lockdowns, and there's just all these emotional reactions, no matter which situation you're talking about, and there is this pressure on every single one of us to pick a side. And so one of the things that I want to deal with as we go through this is, as disciples, what side should we pick? And I'm reminded in Joshua chapter 5, if you remember the story of Joshua, right before he took the city of Jericho and the nation of Israel attacked Jericho, the night before he was praying and he was on the outskirts of the camp and he was just kind of walking around and praying and he saw a man with his sword drawn. You remember this story? You can go back and read it if you don't. It's in, in Joshua chapter 5. But he saw this man with a sword drawn and Joshua approached him and he said, Are you for our enemies or are you for us? Not knowing that it was the angel of the Lord, right? This is Jesus pre-incarnate Christ that he's sitting there talking to. And and the Lord said to him, the angel of the Lord said to him, neither. Not for you, not for them, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down on, on the ground before the angel of the Lord and he got instruction from God in that moment. I feel like that we're in the same spot culturally right now in the United States of America. Everything is so emotionally charged. Everything is so politically charged. And there is this pressure to, to, that, that your family wants to know, your friends wants to know. It's like, hey, what do you think about racism? Hey, what do you think about face masks? Hey, what do you think about all of the stuff that's going on right now? And I think that pastorally, what I want to do is kind of walk us through some things. And, and, and really, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should be asking ourselves, where is Jesus right now? He has called us to follow Him. And so if there's all of these politically charged and emotionally charged things that are going on in our culture right now, by the way, that are very important issues, then we should be asking ourselves, where is Jesus so that I can follow Him through this really complicated moment? And so what I want to do this morning to kick this off is I want to just begin with this, this, this topic. 
is this the end of the world? I was, I was sitting around in the living room. This was actually a couple, uh, probably six weeks ago, a couple months ago, right in the middle of the lockdowns whenever um, everybody was not working and trying to, to do social distancing. And Sydney came up and she moved back to Amarillo for the time being because WT let out school and, and all that stuff, right? This is during the school year. And one day, the, the girls, I don't remember which girl brought this up, but one of my daughters, and they were both asking this question, but one of them asked, hey, Dad, there's a lot of people on social media saying that this is the end of the world. What do you think about that? And listen, moms and dads, you should have a reply, okay? You should walk your kid through that thing. That question is a valid question, and I think it's worthy for us to sit and talk about it today and find where Jesus is in that question, because here's the thing about that question, is if your response is, hey, let's just don't talk about that, right? I don't think that our response in any of these issues should be, hey, let's just don't talk about that. Our response should be, hey, where is Christ? in the middle of this issue. And so I just had a great conversation with my, my kids that day about what does the Bible say about is this the end right now? And I want to have that conversation with you this morning. So if you look at Luke chapter 21, I want to just pray before we dive into this series. If our, if our desire is to seek Jesus and to find him, I just want to ask him that he'd guide us through this. So Father, as we just begin this sermon series, I just believe that this is important. I believe, God, it's important for the people of God to have revelation from you and from your spirit, direction and guidance, because that's what you promised you would send your spirit to do. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, as the people of God, that you would guide us through the difficult situations that are before us in the year 2020. In Jesus' name, amen. Is this the end of the world? You know, that question, if you think about it, is a good question. If you have wondered, watching the news lately, if this is the end of the world, I want you to understand you're in good company. I don't think that that's a bad question to ask. We should kind of ask ourselves, what in the world is going on? Is this the end? As a matter of fact, Jesus' disciples, the twelve, they actually asked him that same question. Hey, Jesus, is this the end? And what will be the sign of your coming? Do you know that Jesus is coming back one of these days? That's a foundational principle of the Christian faith is that there was a first advent of God being coming incarnate through Jesus Christ and we celebrate that at Christmas and that he will one day return and he will establish a new heaven and a new earth and his government will rule the world. That is the gospel. That is the day that we long and yearn for. And so his disciples in Luke chapter 21, where we're going to read today, were asking him that question. And Jesus didn't say, hey, don't worry about it. He actually gave them three very clear directions. And these three clear directions that I want to outline for you today, I look at them a lot like if we were lost on the road and we were going to go, hey, how do we get back on the path? How do we find our way? These three things are so, for me, so simple to focus on and go, hey, is this the end? Look at number one, look at number two, look at number three. So look at Luke chapter 21, and here's the first clear direction that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked this question. Do not be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Don't freak out. Look at verse five. It says, and while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, talking about the temple, the days will come when... There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? 
And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. It will not happen yet. Look at verse 8 again. This is what Jesus told his disciples. See that you are not led astray. Two things as, as Jesus kind of gets down in this first clear direction that he gives his disciples is, hey, make sure you don't do a couple things. As you begin to dive into this question, make sure you don't do a couple things. The first one is, don't be deceived. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Gospel of Matthew, there's an account in Matthew chapter 24 that is this exact story. Jesus is telling his disciples the signs of the end of the age in Matthew's gospel as well. And whenever Matthew is recounting Jesus' reply to his disciples four times in the gospel of Matthew chapter 24, four times Jesus says to his disciples, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Over and over and over again, he reinforced this idea of make sure that you're not pulled away from the main thing that I have before you in this moment. So don't be deceived. Make sure that you have this godly approach to this question that actually, I encourage this, has a healthy bit of skepticism to it. Now don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that you should have cynicism I'm not saying that you should scoff and that you should mock anybody who asks about the end of the age because the, if there's a topic in the Bible that is overwhelmingly abundant, it's the concept that the ages will eventually come to an end and shift permanently to the messianic rule of Jesus Christ. And so whenever Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, hey, be careful because there's going to be so much misinformation and there's going to be so much fear and there's going to be so much uh, just pressure to lock into something that people are going to begin to follow somebody who's not telling the truth. So don't be deceived. The second thing that he says in this clear direction, he says, don't be alarmed. Look at, I'll, I'll read you this. This is from Matthew chapter 24. He actually says this. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. So the first thing that Jesus clearly directs his disciples to do is make sure that they have control over their emotions as they begin to enter into this topic. Make sure that you don't just go flying off the deep end because here's the thing. There's going to be chaos in the world. There's going to be crazy stuff that happens. Wars, pestilence, riots, all of that stuff is going to happen. And Jesus' words are, but the end is not yet. That's not the sign that the end is here. As a matter of fact, what he says in Matthew chapter 4, he goes on to say this. It's, it's a lot like birth pains. And what you're going to see is you're going to see natural disasters, you're going to see wars, you're going to see chaos in culture. And as you see that, it's just become more frequent and more intense. Listen, I don't know um, if your doctor told you the same thing that he told my wife. But whenever she was pregnant with our kids, there's this thing called false labor. I don't know anything about that, but apparently it's a thing, right? True, ladies? 
Okay? And so April with Sydney, who was our first, didn't know what to expect. And so she would have a conversation with her OB about you know, what to expect with labor. And, and basically, there's this thing that a doctor will say is like, you'll know whenever it comes. Right? And so she would, we would talk about that and be like, but what am I supposed to look for? And I'm like, I don't know. That's not my thing. I don't know. But there's this thing in labor where you know whenever you enter into labor and it's, those contractions are going to begin and they begin to increase with intensity and frequency. Amen? This is what Jesus says. All of the chaos that's going on around you right now, listen to me. It comes with the territory. This is part of a fallen world that is spinning out of control, and it needs a king. And as that, as that day approaches, the chaos is going to continue to intensify, and it's going to happen with more frequency. But Jesus said, this is not the end yet. Okay, So that's the first clear direction that Jesus gave his disciples. Here's the second one. He actually told them a very specific trigger and a key to look for. Look at verse 10. He goes on to say this. This is Luke 21, verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will, be, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your life. Here's the trigger of what you and I are going to see, to, and I don't know that we'll actually see this. This is going to be something I don't know that's going to be actually perceivable. But there's a trigger that initiates the sequence that brings the end of the age, and it's evangelism. Look at verse 13 again. This is what Jesus said. What's all this persecution stuff that he's talking about, by the way? He all of a sudden kind of goes in, dives into this topic about you and I being handed over to authorities and family members not liking us and tattling on us and all that kind of stuff. Sounds a lot like social media right now, honestly. He says all this persecution is going to happen, verse 13, for this reason, this will be your opportunity to bear witness, to testify for me. And by the way, don't worry about what you're going to say in that moment. The Holy Spirit is going to anoint you to say the right thing at the right time. And so here's the thing that I see is as Jesus is giving, he's fixing to give us two really specific triggers of when is the end going to come. And evangelism is one of the key things that happens right before the end of the age. You and I have been in one of the most profound evangelistic times in all of human history. If you think about history from the time of Jesus until about the 1700s, even, even in the 1600s, it's like evangelism was happening in a powerful way, but it was limited to a certain region of the world. Within our lifetime, the last three generations, right, there has been this evangelism explosion around the world. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 about this topic. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world, throughout the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
See, if you've ever wondered in your heart, why is Jesus taking so long? It's for this reason. None other. See, Jesus isn't waiting for the perfect moment so that you know, all the geopolitical stuff can all align. Jesus is waiting on one more person to say yes. He has a heart to make sure that nobody misses out on the opportunity to be saved and have their sins forgiven. This is what Peter says. Second Peter, he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. What is His promise? That He would bring His kingdom to the earth. That is the promise He's talking about. He is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, evangelism is the thing that is delaying the next season of the entire history of the, of, of the universe. Jesus wants us to bear witness. So here's, that's, that's this big trigger of when is, when is the Father actually going to turn to Jesus and say, okay, go back. And Jesus said this, I don't even know when that moment comes, but he is waiting for you and for me to respond favorably to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now here is the key, and I think the thing that Jesus calls us to focus on. I told you this evangelism thing. I don't know that that's perceivable. I think that there's some way to track that, and there's a metric and all that stuff, but it's like you're talking about global missions. And global missions, they are more sophisticated now than ever before. But it's like, when is that moment going to come? And I don't know. Jesus said, I don't, he didn't know. But here is the thing that is perceivable, and he goes into this topic next. There's a trigger and a thing that you and I can watch that would show you when the end is about to happen, and it has to do with Jerusalem. Look at verse 20. Jesus goes on, he's, he, he shifts gears from talking about evangelism and persecution, and then he says in verse 20, but when you see, say see. See, this is perceivable. This is something that you can see. He says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside of the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in, the day, in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Answer this question for me. If you want to know when the end comes, and this is what I've, I've pastored my kids with, okay? Here's my eschatology, and I've read a, a lot of stuff about the return of Christ, okay? And here's the thing. If you can't pastor this out, a lot of it is over our heads and useless. And I'll leave that to the theologians. I'm more interested in what's going to help you and I lead our lives day to day, and a lot of us are afraid of when this moment's going to come. And so what I've told my girls is like, there's something that Jesus told us to look for. Whenever you see Jerusalem surrounded by an army, you should become alarmed. Actually, he told his disciples a few verses later, don't be alarmed whenever you see chaos, wars, persecutions, pestilence, all that stuff that's going on in the world all the time, by the way. But whenever you see this one thing, whenever you see a war happen around Jerusalem, it should concern you. And by the way, he tells us exactly who it should concern the most. He said, there will be great affliction for those people that live in that land. There will be major persecution against Jews right before Jesus comes back. 
Jerusalem, there will be a war. Zechariah actually prophesies about this war. It says that Jesus will come back in the middle of this war, and he will land. It actually, you know the Bible actually tells you where Jesus is going to land? On the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split into, there's going to be a huge earthquake. That's what Zechariah prophesied. There's going to be a war that's happening around Jerusalem. And so whenever you and I watch the news and you start seeing something shaking down in the Middle East, it should be something that kind of triggers and goes, whoa, what's going on over there? I should really pay attention to that. That is one of the main keys to when the end is about to happen. Whenever you see armies amass around Jerusalem, which by the way could happen any moment, Whenever you see armies amass around Jerusalem, you should take note and understand that something big is about to happen. Now, here's the last clear direction. Those were the first two. Number one is don't be alarmed by the chaos that's surrounding us. But number two, there are two really specific triggers that you can watch in evangelism and what's going on in Jerusalem. But here's the last one. Last clear direction that Jesus gave. What are you and I supposed to do with all of this? How should we respond and allow this to impact our lives and live from this moment forward? Look at verse 25. He actually gives us some really great wisdom. And there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and of the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now, there's two different groups that you see responding to the reality of the end of the age in this last part of Luke's, uh, of, of chapter 1 of Luke's gospel. The first one is the world. Jesus uses words like they're going to be perplexed. They're going to faint with fear. There's going to be this foreboding. There's going to be this anxiety that grabs the hearts of the world. But he says, this is how you should respond if you're one of my followers. Look up. Get your head up. Don't look down. Don't be dejected. Don't be discouraged and, and full of fear. He says, look up because the moment that you're waiting for, that we've all been waiting for, is about to happen. Listen, this is something, this message of the, the end of the age should be something that should encourage your heart and not grip you with fear. It should be something that would cause you to look forward to what's about to happen, not with dread. As a matter of fact, this is what Revelation chapter 21 says, Behold, the dwelling of God will be with man, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning. There won't be crying. There won't be pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus promised to you and I, listen to this. This is really great news. This isn't just good news. This is great news. The promise that we're waiting for is bigger than your sins getting washed away. Do you know that's the door that we walk through to, to accept the inheritance that God has for His people? But it's bigger than just having your sins washed away. Your sins being washed away just qualifies you to inherit the promise. And His promise is that we would lay hold of life everlasting. Life that doesn't know death. Life that doesn't know pain. Life that doesn't know disappointment. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that to start. And so whenever Jesus starts talking about whenever you see these things happening, 
You should not be shaken in your, in your emotions. You shouldn't let anxiety rule the way that you look at this. We shouldn't be the people that stick our head in the sands, but we should look up and get excited and tell somebody else the good news of what potentially is about to happen. Amen? Amen. This is what I want to do this morning. I want to ask you to just stand with me. I want to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to land the plane, but I want to pray. And as we pray, I want to, I want to just focus on a couple things. I, I think you, you should have some communion elements. There were some available. If you'd like some and didn't grab some on your way in, if you just raise your hand, our ushers have those for you, and we're going to take communion. But in light of this, this passage that we read this morning in Luke chapter 21, I feel like that there's, there's something that God wants to do as people are curious. You know, being curious about, is this that moment? That's a healthy question. And as I was sitting on the couch with my girls a couple weeks back, they both have really solid faith, but they were still wondering, it's like, Dad, is this the end of the world? It's getting a little crazy out there. Listen, that's not a bad question to ask. What we should all be asking is, hey, am I ready for that? Am I ready for that moment whenever Jesus is going to come back, he's going to establish his kingdom, and he's going to welcome the saints into their inheritance? So this is what I want to do this morning. I want to ask you to just bow your head. And then once I'm done praying, you're, you're welcome to receive communion. Pastor Bo is going to lead us in a worship song. If you would just close your eyes, bow your head. If you're here today and you have not accepted your redemption, that's what Jesus said. He said, lift your head up because your redemption draws near. And if you're here today and you don't, you don't know that you've received your redemption. You know, Jesus Christ paid your price for this inheritance on the cross. He didn't just do it for everybody else. He did it for everybody else and you. And if you're here today and you know that this is the moment where you need to receive the forgiving work of Jesus Christ on the cross, I want to ask you to just slip your hand up. I'm not going to have you come down front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to draw attention to you, but I do want to give you this moment to respond to the Lord. Is This is the moment that you say, God, I need you to wash my sins away so that I can step into an eternal relationship with you. Church, if you would just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I confess that I need forgiveness. Would you wash my sins away? And help me follow you. Listen, if you're here today and you're making that decision for the first time, please come by Guest Connect. We have a book that we would love to give you. We would love to pray with you. If you're watching online and you know that you're wanting to make that decision, you'd like to talk to somebody, private message us. We have a pastoral team that would love to get in contact with you and put some materials in your hand and pray with you as well. But listen, I want to pray for one more thing before we take communion. And if you're here, and as I've been talking about the end of the age, I've been talking about Jesus coming back and all that stuff, and you're wrestling with fear, and you want that to be gone today, I want to ask you to just raise your hand as well. Anybody that's struggling with anxiety, whenever you're watching the news, whenever you're seeing everything that's going on, if it's stirring up your emotions in a negative way and it's not encouraging you, you're not encouraged in this moment, but you're, you're perplexed, there's this foreboding, there's this heaviness, that you're feeling. Father God, I pray for these people 
who are raising their hands, even those who are too scared to raise their hands, God, and I ask in Jesus' name, give them your peace. God, would you begin to calm their soul and focus their spirit on truth? And Lord, you are the Prince of Peace, so I pray that you would come and release it over us today. In Jesus' name, amen.